Well, we want to say again, welcome this morning. And if you have a Bible today, uh, I'd encourage you to grab it. And we're going to be looking this morning at John chapter 11. John chapter 11. So John is the fourth book in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And we're going to be looking at John chapter 11, starting in verse 21. And my wife, Kim, is going to come and read this for us this morning. John 11, 21 through 27. This is the reading of God's word. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet he shall live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. This is the reading of God's word. I love to watch documentaries. Um, especially, I love to watch sports documentaries. And there's a really great series of sports documentaries produced by ESPN called 30 for 30. And one of the most famous of these documentaries is called Survive and Advance. And it's the legendary story of the coach for North Carolina State, Jim Valvano. And Jim, Jimmy V, as he was known, Jim Valvano, was this magnetic personality. He was kind of like this larger than life kind of person. Um, just drew people to himself, someone who could walk into a room and just kind of own the environment and make everyone like him. And in the 80s, they had this very famous run in the NCAA college basketball tournament that had this magical kind of made for Disney storybook ending. And they had this famous game-winning shot. You can go on uh, YouTube and watch it. 1993, March Madness, North Carolina State. I'd encourage you to go watch it. It's pretty cool. Um, and so his life was just one where he had this huge personality. He was a winner. And everyone knew Jimmy V as just a winner. Well, the story turns when Jimmy V got cancer. And it's really interesting how the documentary treats his cancer diagnosis and what comes from that. Since everybody saw Jimmy V as a winner, his personality, magnetism, his magical run in the NCAA tournament, everyone expected Jimmy V, what do we say, to beat cancer. Because Jimmy was a winner. Jimmy V was a winner. There's no way that he was going, not Jimmy V, there's no way that he was going to lose to cancer. And in the documentary, you can see that a lot of his friends, as they interview them, they just express this kind of shock and, and confusion almost that he died from cancer. He kept getting sicker and sicker and sicker. And this comes out in, in his interviews with his friends. They just couldn't understand it because Jimmy V was a winner. 
They were astonished when he eventually died. It was shocking to them. It was not what they expected. Well, as we think about our culture, we can think about this. God, our culture, uh, not God, our culture loves winners. We have a hard time with losers. But the problem is death makes us confront the ultimate loss. Death makes us confront the ultimate loss. That's what we say to people who are grieving when they've lost a loved one. We say, I'm so sorry for your loss. And, and we love those stories of people that get cancer and it, and it goes into remission. And we say they beat cancer. And we should love those stories. But we all know that there's coming a day when we won't, quote, beat the cancer. We won't, quote, beat the car accident. We won't beat COVID-19. There's coming a day for all of us when winning won't be an option when death is the opponent. Here's the thing. For Christians, Jesus is honest about this. We know that what Jesus showed us is the true pattern of reality. This is what he shows us. He shows us that in order to truly win, we have to pass through losing. In order to truly live, we have to pass through dying. In order to experience eternity with the immortal God, we have to come face to face with our mortality. Without confronting losing, there can be no winning. See, Jesus is our, 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 our trailblazer. Jesus is our champion. Jesus is the one who paved the way. Jesus died as the ultimate loser. In our city group last Thursday night, we opened up Isaiah 53 and just reflected on it and read it out loud and reflected on it. It's this famous prophecy of Jesus as one who would take on himself the sins of the world at the cross. And it's very, very clear with stark, illustrative language that Jesus was a loser. He was, it says he was despised. It says he was one who you wouldn't even want to look at. People hid their faces from Jesus. See, in ancient times, crucifixion was the ultimate sign of losing. It was ultimately shameful, a complete disgrace. It was very impolite in ancient Roman society to even talk about crucifixion. It was faux pas. What Jesus experienced was the opposite of winning. He was the ultimate loser. I think it's easy for us to forget that, as many of us are kind of used to Christianity. But it's a, it's a really uninspiring tale if it's just the cross. See, most of our movies are great movies and transcendent stories because there's a happy ending where there's a winner of some sort, right? Overcoming the odds, triumphing, and being the winner. Frodo makes it to Mount Doom and casts the ring into the fire and he wins. Rudy makes it into the game and is, is the winner. Rocky wins the title after overcoming all the odds. But see, at the cross, if we don't have Easter, Jesus didn't. He died a loser, alone, cast aside, and broken beyond repair. It's, it's not a feel-good story. 
It's a huge downer, horrible end to a movie. You wouldn't make a documentary out of this. But see, Christianity calls us to look death square in the eyes, not to suppress the reality of it, not try to ignore it, anesthetize it, by just avoiding it. See, Jesus had to pass through it, and so will we. The cross at the center of the Christian faith says to us, man, you gotta look this thing square in the eyes. You gotta look death square in the eyes. Don't suppress its reality. Don't be surprised by it. Don't assume you will be, quote, a winner and then be surprised when it happens. But this morning, as we focus on Easter, I want us to listen in to a conversation about death that Jesus has with a close friend. In our text for today, Jesus, he gives us the tools to look death square in the eyes and not be shocked or surprised, but actually have hope and joy. So Kim read the text. Let's look at it here in John 11. Let me give you a little backstory if this is new to you. So Jesus had three close friends. He had a lot of friends, but three in particular, uh, Lazarus and Mary and Martha. And Lazarus got sick and he died. And so they called to Jesus and had him come because he loved Lazarus. They were friends. And so when he gets there, Martha comes to him and it says there in verse 21, Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. So she's kind of disappointed that he didn't show up and do something before he died. Verse 22, but even now, she says, even now she expresses faith. Even now I know that, that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. In verse 23, Jesus says to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise in the resurrection on the last day. So Jewish people at this time had a vision for, for resurrection, for end times, righting of all the wrongs and, and Jesus returning, um, not necessarily Jesus, at the, of course, but um, that the Messiah, those who knew Jesus was the Messiah, maybe they didn't know it was Jesus, all that to say, they knew that the Messiah would come and make all things right. The final day of judgment. That's Jewish theology, and she's expressing that. I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. It just means, yes, I believe you're the Messiah, the promised Messiah. Look at verse 25 again. This is what I want us to focus on. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. So, so look at this. Look at, look at what Jesus says. He, notice that he's very honest with Martha. He doesn't suppress the reality of death. You can't cheat it. You can't ignore it. Can't anesthetize it. Whoever believes in me, though he die. But look at what he says. We know it's, it's not the end of the movie. Death is not the end of the movie. For those who are honest about death and face it squarely, for those who know Jesus, it's just a pathway to true life. That's what he says to us. I was talking to a, a language partner of mine. I'm studying foreign languages and I have different appointments um, to practice the languages I'm learning. And um, I was talking to one of my language partners. His name is Fred. 
and he was just talking about COVID-19 and the prospect of all these people around him dying in his country and, and death being very frightening for him and also his father who's in his 80s. Just stating how death is very, very scary. And I got to share with him the fact that, that I don't fear death. He was very intrigued by that. Like, how could I say that? I said, I might fear the process of death. No one looks forward to the physical discomfort, but I don't fear death because of my faith in Christ, because my faith in the resurrection. Lots of people are thinking about death right now in these times, these very, very strange times that we find ourselves in. It's all over the headlines. COVID-19, we hear statistics every single day about how many people have died or predictions about how many people will die. But Jesus comes to us on Easter, like he came to Martha here in John 11, asks us like he asked her. I want us to place ourselves imaginatively in the shoes of Martha. And look at what he does here. Verse 25 is a statement. Verse 26 is a question. And verse 27 is the response. Look at how simple this is. Statement, question, response. Statement, verse 25. I am the resurrection and the life. He just states it as a fact. He doesn't blush, doesn't water it down, doesn't hum and hum around it. He just says, this is the deal, Martha. I am the resurrection and the life. And guess what? Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And then the question do you believe this? Verse 26. And then verse 27, we see the response from Martha. Yes, Lord, I believe. I love verse 25. It just makes that statement. I, lo I love the logic of Jesus here. It's so clear. Though he yet, see it there? Though he die, yet shall he live. Though he yet. Meaning whoever believes, meaning trusting and treasuring in Jesus, whoever believes in me, Trusting and treasuring in Jesus, though he yet, though he die, yet he will live. Though he or she might get laid off, yet God promises to provide. Though he or she can't seem to get their life together, yet promise, yet God, yet God promises to walk with you. Though it seems dark, yet the light will dawn. Though life seems pointless, Yet, God will orient your heart and your mind. Though he yet. Though he yet. I love this black and white framing of the issue from Jesus. It's so hope-filled because he is the resurrection and the life. He just makes the straight-up truth claim and just states it. Whoever believes, though he yet. And then he asks the question, do you believe this? Verse 26. And he just leaves that response hanging out in the air for someone to respond to. And Martha responds in the affirmative. She responds with, yes. So my question for us here today in my living room and for all those tuning in is simply this. Do you agree with Martha? Do you agree with Martha in verse 27? Jesus just asks us, as you confront death, as you see it all over the headlines today with COVID-19 and you think about the fact that we're all going to die one day, Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. He doesn't say, here's how you can get to it. He's saying, I am it. See that difference? 
So what does that mean? He's not pointing away from himself for something for you to attain. He's pointing towards himself, meaning come to me. I am the resurrection and the life, Jesus says. Come to me. If you want If you want to live beyond these tombs, beyond these graves, beyond these cemeteries in our neighborhoods, he says, come to me. See, I'm not pointing you to the way. He says, I am the way. He's just saying, be joined to me, be united to me. And that happens when you come to him in trusting and treasuring faith. And then he says this, in essence, he says, I will stand next to you as you pass through death. I will hold your hand as you walk through and as you are attached to me, I will lead you to the other side. That's the metaphor. You're connected to Jesus as you come to Jesus and he will walk with you through the valley of the shadow of death and lead you to the other side. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. And as you're connected to him, the resurrection power of Jesus that happened on Easter 2000 years ago as a historical fact comes into us and enlivens us as well. Now, when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, And then at the end, when Jesus returns to make all things right. So then the question becomes this. How do I respond to this news? How do I come to Jesus like this? How can you be joined to Jesus, connected to Jesus, embraced by Jesus? Well, it just simply starts like this. It starts by this, believing that God is there and that he he exists. And if that is true, and it is, and you trust that, then you have to recognize yourself as a sinner. Like, does it make sense that you have fallen short of God's perfection? Does it make sense that you can't control your sin and clean yourself up enough to be seen as perfect on the day of judgment? Not just that you're better than someone else that you know, who you think of as a horrible sinner, who's done horrible things, but know that you're, you're comparing yourself to perfection, which is God himself. Does this bring you to an end of yourself of sorts, where, where you can be honest about how needy you are? And if that is you, Jesus says, turn from your sin and turn towards me. Turn from your sin and turn towards me. I will take on myself the the. the the punishment your sin deserves in my death. And I will take on myself the wrath of God that your sin deserves in your place instead of you. I love you this much that I will stand in your place. And then I will rise from the dead, showing that the punishment of sin, which ultimately is death physically and eternally, has been defeated. It all boils down to Jesus rising from the dead. And if you believe this, and come to Jesus, having your heart and affections turned toward him, you can know then that you are connected to Jesus. And when you die, he will stand with you and lead you to the other side where there will be beauty, love, and glory forever. So then the question becomes, are you willing to turn from your sin and come to Jesus? The answer is yes, then you will have the confidence to face death square, look at square in the eye and say, death, you have no hold on me. Jesus has set me free from you. And just as he rose from the dead, I too will, I too will rise and experience life to the full. So Jesus just says, John 11, he is the resurrection and 
the life. Come to him and experience what he is when death is our reality. This is the heartbeat of Easter. This is the heartbeat of the Christian faith. Death is not the end of the story. It's just the turning of a page to a new chapter of life that never ends. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much for what you have done. Thank you for your word. Thank you for what it shows us. Thank you that we can um, be assured this morning that you have risen from the dead and that when we place our hope in you, it's not just a blind leap of faith, but it's our feet set firmly on a rock that does not move. And so for all those that are listening now, by the power of your spirit, I pray that that would be settled into our hearts as a done deal from this day forward and forevermore. And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen.